Welcome to the Sister Sunday School class at Anchor Bible Church in Hull, Georgia, and I'm Sharon Black. We have started a series to look at the difference between Christianity and other world religions, and this is the third session. So, just a couple of quick review items, and then we'll get into the lesson today. First of all, our goals for this course, just these, this study, to recognize the patterns, to see them for what they are when we are confronted with them, the patterns, the different worldviews, to equip parents, grandparents, aunts, mentors with answers, and to help children and young people in our lives, the next generation, to develop a Christian worldview. Most importantly, a saving faith in Jesus. So the ladies in the Sunday School class, uh, many of us are, I'm, I'm not a mother or a grandmother, but I am an aunt and a mentor, and many of the ladies are moms and grandmoms and aunts, and we want, we are burdened for the young people in our lives, and we want to equip ourselves. So as we move forward, our second memory verse that I assigned um, encourage you to put it on your steering wheel, your bathroom mirror, wherever you need to look at it, is 1 Peter 3.15. In the King James it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you, with meekness and fear. In the NIV it says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. We've talked about the big questions in life that every thinking person asks at some point in his or her life. Not just Christians, anyone. Thinking people ask these big questions. Where did we come from? The universe, human beings. How should we live? What is the purpose of life? What happens when we die? Can we know what is true or not true, good or bad, just or unjust? All worldviews, and we're looking at five additional worldviews in addition to Christianity. Uh, we're finishing up Christianity first. But all worldviews attempt to answer these questions. And of course, we know as believers, we can answer these questions with God's word. A worldview seeks to answer the big questions. A worldview is a pattern of ideas, beliefs, convictions, and habits that help us make sense of God, the world, and our relationship to God and the world. And that's from Dr. David, David Noble's book, Understanding the Times, page 6. And that's one of the books that I'm using as a source of information in addition to God's Word. Last week we talked about that bumper sticker that you see everywhere these days. It says, Coexist. And I asked the question, why can't we just all get along? That's what the bumper sticker is asking. <clears throat> well, the problem is, not everybody can be right. Somebody's wrong. Somebody has the truth and somebody doesn't. We can't all have the truth. So, even though Christians love all of the other people, groups represented on that bumper sticker, and we have... Um, nothing but love for them and we want them to come to know Christ, we also realize that they are wrong and we are right. And if we don't believe we're right, then what are we even doing in church or as a Christian? So we do have a bias that the Christian worldview explains everything the best. And not to be 
to have animosity toward any of the other belief systems out there, but because we know we have the truth, we want them to know it too. So I talked about the truth test last week. What do you do when you're talking to someone and they don't believe the Bible is true? They don't believe the Bible is God's word. There are some other tests that you can can um, use to talk about truth. And I'll just briefly review those. The test of reason. Can it be logically stated and defended? You can say you don't believe in gravity, but you can jump off a building and find out that that doesn't meet the test of reason. That's not true. Gravity is real, whether you believe in it or not. Um, the test of the outer world. Is there external corroborating evidence to support it? And a good example is the resurrection of Christ. There is a preponderance of historical evidence for the resurrection of Christ. It's a historical fact. In fact, there's more evidence to support that and to support the veracity of Scripture than a lot of things that we teach kids in school. Um, the third test is the test of the inner world. Does it resonate with us on the inside? Does it adequately address the human experience, our conscience, our feelings? And we talked about things like um, sacrificing babies. That's morally repugnant in a human being, unless their conscience is seared, knows that's wrong. Um, number four, at the test of the real world. If you take a belief and you play out the consequences in the real world, are they good or bad? In any given cultural situation, and we talked about Marxism or communism, there is no country on planet Earth in which that philosophical worldview as a government system has ever worked out with good consequences. They, it's, it's always got horrendous consequences, and millions of people have died for that worldview. So that's an example of the truth test. Now, we talked about truth last week for the believer. We know that truth exists that truth is knowable. Jesus said, I am the truth, and we can know him. All truth comes from God. Truth is a person, and the Bible is the final authority on truth. And I gave um, us a list of scriptures last week. And so John Stott, the theologian, says that the Christian worldview rests squarely on the person of Jesus Christ. And I talked about how when you are speaking to someone, one of the cults that comes to the door, Jehovah's Witness or Mormons or, or one of those groups, Keep the conversation on Jesus Christ because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you can't get past, you have to talk about what are you going to do with Jesus Christ. Um, in a lot of those cults, all of those cults, they have um, views of Jesus Christ that are not biblical. If you keep it on Jesus, then you won't go wrong in those conversations. So let's pick up where we left off last week, the Christian worldview. <clears throat> Christians believe that God makes himself known in nature and in the Bible. These two forms of revelation establish our worldview, a pattern of ideas, beliefs, convictions, and habits that lead us and others to flourish. So we call that revelation, we call it general revelation when we look at nature, what we see in the world, and we call the scripture the Bible, we call that special revelation. Now, every worldview, or almost every worldview, has some holy book or source of wisdom that they will refer to as basically their special revelation from God, from the divine, from someone. And general revelation is what we can see in the world. So we're going to look at how all six worldviews have sort of a general revelation and a special revelation. But we're going to look this week as it applies to Christianity. So let's talk about general revelation. 
general revelation would be creation, God's universal revelation about himself and morality that can be seen in nature. And some of the scriptures that I um, gave out to the ladies in class, and we looked these up and we read them aloud. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. If you have your Bible, you have a, a journal or something to write in, you might want to jot these down and look them up. Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Of course, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Acts 17, 24, and Psalm 19, verse 1. These are all scriptures that declare that God is the creator and that his truth can be seen or some truth about him can be seen in nature so that man is without excuse. If you are a human being and you are paying attention and looking around, you must realize that there is a God. C.S. Lewis said this. This is a great quote. I may have to repeat it, but C.S. Lewis said, Suppose there were no intelligence behind the universe. In that case, nobody designed my brain for the purpose of thinking. Thought is merely the byproduct of some atoms within my skull. But if so, how can I trust my own thinking to be true? But if I can't trust my own thinking, of course, I can't trust the arguments leading to atheism and therefore have no reason to be an atheist or anything else. Unless I believe in God, I cannot believe in thought, so I can never use thought to disbelieve in God. Wow. Let that sink in for a minute. That last part, unless I believe in God, I can't believe in thought, so I can never use thought to disbelieve in God. That's amazing. I love that. All right. Let's talk about special revelation. Our special revelation is the Bible. God's unique revelation about himself through the scriptures. Here are some scriptures you can write down. Psalm 19 verses 7 through 11. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. And John chapter 1 verses 1 through 18. Now think about this. The Bible was written over a period of fifteen to 1,600 years. There are 66 books, over 40 authors. It was written in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, a little bit of Aramaic. Yet it has one theme, and it has complete unity. Now, there are naysayers who would say, well, the Bible contradicts itself. Well, only people who don't read the scripture and don't understand what it's saying would say that because the Bible does not contradict itself anywhere. Now, there might be a place where there's a historical overview and another place where an author goes into more detail about that historical event and breaks it down. But there, there is no place in scripture where it contradicts itself. Um, Josh McDowell and his son Sean McDowell um, wrote this. This is a quote from one of their books. It says, When conservative Christian theologians say the Bible is without error, it's inerrant, they mean that when all the facts are known, the scriptures as they were penned by the authors in the original writings and as properly interpreted will show to be true and not false in all that they affirm. This is, of course, the case if God is actually the author of scripture, which he is. So, last week, we got to 
the part of the Christian story where we just wanted to review, if we were sharing our faith, what are the very most essential parts of sharing the story of, of Christ, the story of Christianity? And so I gave them these five kind of bullet points, and there's actually a little gesture to go with them to help you remember, but you can't see me right now, so I can't do that part. But <clears throat> here are basic five basic points to the Christian story. If you can remember these, if you're a little shy about sharing your faith, or you feel a little bit inadequate, or you feel like, well, I'm not a pastor or a person in ministry, and so what if I mess up? You won't mess up. First of all, tell them what Christ has done in your life. That's the best place to start. But if you're going to give the Christian story, here are five just essentials to the story. First of all, God is personal. He is a personal God. Sorry, I had to take a quick drink. God is a personal God. The universe we experience suggests that an intelligent, purposeful, personal designer brought it into existence. And the scriptures say that the way we were created reveals something about the character of God who created us. The biblical God creates humans in his own image, Genesis 1.27. God's characteristics are fully independent of our understanding according to Acts 17.24-25. So last week I gave the example in Sunday school of the watch and you have probably heard this example before but it's a good illustration. When we talk about the world being created, you know, kids are learning all this stuff about evolution in school. First of all, evolution is so unscientific, it's ridiculous. Um not to use a bunch of loaded language here, but honestly, one of the primary laws of the universe that every scientist worth his or her salt knows is the law of entropy. And I gave this as sort of a little way to arm you when you talk to others and the issue of science comes up. Well, God didn't create the world. It's science. It's evolution. Well, no, it's not. Um, one of the, the essential laws of the universe that all scientists know is the law of entropy. This law says that the world, everything in the world, everything in the universe from the very big things to the microscopic things, everything in the universe is in the process of breaking down to a simpler form. There is nothing in the universe that is in the process of becoming more complex. And just the knowledge of that one basic law of science that all scientists know disproves evolution. There's no way some little microbes in the cosmic soup in the billions of years past suddenly became this intricate human being that we are. That is the most ridiculous thing, and it takes a lot more faith to believe that than it does to believe that God simply created us. Um, I like to use the example of a watch. This is a great example. Take a basic watch, a Timex, and I have actually done this in person with, with people before, but take a basic watch, pop the back off, Look at all the little gears and cogs and things that are in the watch. And you pull them all out. And you put all the little pieces and parts, the strap, the face, the hands, and all the little cogs in a brown paper sack. And before you do that, of course, you hold the watch up and you say, you know, look at this watch. 
it looks as if someone made this watch. Someone designed it. If you look on the back, there's an insignia usually, whether it's Timex or Rolex or whatever, although I don't recommend taking apart a Rolex unless you know how to put it back together. Um, so you talk about how the watch ha obviously has a designer, a maker. And then you take the watch apart, put it in the brown paper sack, and you start shaking the sack. And you ask your audience, ask the kids, ask the, the people that are listening to this example, how long do you think I need to shake this bag before the watch puts itself together so that every cog and little piece and part all are back together inside the watch and the back is on and the watch is keeping perfect time? And of course, a sensible human being is going to listen to that example as you stand there shaking the bag and go, it's never going to put itself back together. It could never possibly do that and work properly. Well, exactly right. And yet, that is what scientists who refuse to acknowledge that there could possibly be a creator, that is what they're saying we are, that we somehow evolved into this. And of course, I look around and I still see monkeys and I still see other types of birds and fish and animals and they're all what they are and they are not in the process of becoming anything different. Um, so... I actually stopped here last Sunday with the first point of the Christian story that God is personal. But for the purposes of the podcast, I want to go ahead and give you the other four so that you'll have them all together in one place. So if you're trying to share your faith and you're trying to think through, well, it's so overwhelming, all the stuff in the Bible, what do I say? Here's the Christian story in a nutshell. God is personal. The second thing is, God has made himself known through creation, general revelation, and through his word, specific revelation or special revelation. God created. That's the fourth, the third thing. The fourth thing is that human beings are fallen. We did not remain in that perfection in which he created us. We, we fell. He gave us free will. And the fourth or fifth thing is that God redeems. So let's say those again. God is personal. God has made himself known. God has created. Human beings are fallen. We're sinful. And yet God has made a way for us to come back to him, to be redeemed, to know him. And do you know of all the worldviews, all the world religions which fall under the umbrellas of those worldviews that we'll be covering, there is not a single worldview or world religion in which God has reached out to man. I get choked up thinking about that. How many people in the world are striving to do good works, to be good enough, to please the God that they imagine is up there somewhere? And yet our God, the God of Scripture, the one true God, He did all the work. He reached out to mankind. He provided us with this beautiful creation all around us, and he provided us with his word. He has made himself known. The only belief system in existence in which God has reached out to man. There's nothing we have to do. It is his grace and his son and the perfect payment for sin on the cross, a payment we could never have made. How wonderful. So once again, God is personal. He has made himself known. He has created Human beings are fallen. We did not stay in that perfect state in which he created us. And because we're fallen, God put a plan in place to redeem us. How beautiful. What a beautiful, simple story. And how wonderful. And it meets all the truth tests 
it meets them all. So I'm going to stop there for tonight. Uh, this is a slightly shorter lesson. We had a shorter lesson last week. We had a lot of our church members out sick with the flu, and there were just a few of us there. So we had a slightly shorter lesson, and I'm going to stop where I stopped with them last week. I trust that you will be encouraged to share your faith and that you will understand that your faith is a valid faith, that your belief in, in God and Jesus Christ as your Savior is a rational faith that you can share with others without any fear, without being ashamed. It is perfectly defensible. And I hope that as we go through this study that you will feel more equipped to share your faith with others. And so until the next podcast, until next week, God bless you and make you a blessing to others. Thank you.